I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you at home, New European podcast listeners? I think we're talking to me. No. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're all well. Yes, I and hope they're so. tuned in. So whatever they were doing before, their life is about to be improved. You might not be at home. Might be in the car. Might, might be on the bus. On the bus. It's all very modern these be days. Be on the train, it? sitting yeah. on the floor. They could be. Of course. <laughs> they could be in the gym. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did used to pumping go to, iron. I used to go to the gym. I didn't pump any iron, but I did used to go to the gym, and I used to do a lot of running. But I couldn't listen to podcasts while I was running. No, you want to listen to music, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like um, like like hard electronic music. I found was the best. Do you remember that um, there was that LCD sound system track, wasn't there? Which was called I think was it called Forty Five Thirty Three? Yeah, and that's it was, right. Yeah, yeah, and that was made for working out, wasn't it? That's right. I believe it was. So. A, it was about forty four thirty three <laughs> too long for me. <laughs> For my uh, for my gym visits, but there you go. <laughs> for your gym, you listen in the pub. Yeah, no, it's good. I love LCD sound yeah. system, as, as you well know. Anyway, me too. So this isn't we're... getting the sausages pricked, is it? The Brexit sausages pricked. It isn't really. It isn't really. But uh, Jerry is off. This She's week. away. She's so on it's holiday. Us too. She did offer to for to to turn up and do the pod, but only if we did it in the pub. Now, I was tempted by this, but of course, we did do this podcast on a train once, and people weren't that people didn't on like train. it, no. So I thought maybe maybe not do it in the pub. No. Um, so, no Jerry this week. So it'll be me and you ranting on for a little bit. Yeah. And then we will do Brexiteer of the week. And then it'll be me ranting on for a little bit. And then it'll be me and you again ranting on for a little bit. There you go. Great. So That's lots to look forward to, new European podcast listener. So this is a special all-male. It is. But very woke. It's a sausage fest. New European podcast. Is that woke? No. <laughs> I don't think it is. There's um, going to be a deal though, isn't there? It looks like... A deal is on the way. A deal is on the way. So yesterday... Westminster was a buzz yesterday afternoon because suddenly <laughs> yes. email ping, yes. into cabinet minister's email. Ping. Oh, come along to the cabinet office. The withdrawal draft withdrawal agreement is ready yeah. for you to, to peruse. peruse. So they did. They dashed there. Yeah, they did. I don't know if there's just one copy 
or if there was numerous copies. I know certainly that when that they, they're so sensitive about this stuff that they're not allowed to leave their copies. Right. Um, did you see the documentary where they were leaving the, the cab- uh, cabinet meeting? Oh, and yes, there was a, yes. There's this poor woman who said, job to go, have you left your papers behind? And they were all grumpily going, yes, I'm looking at them. So they're very tight on that, so it had to stay there. But what became clear rather quickly was that, in fact, there was something rather pertinent missing from this uh, withdrawal agreement, wasn't there? Yes, there was no mention of Ireland. No. In it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, do you know who Magic Alex was, as you are younger yes. than me? Yes. Yeah, I do yes. know Magic Alex. So if, yeah. you, so if new European podcast listeners do not know who Magic Alex was, he, he worked for the Beatles and he ran a thing called Apple Electronics. And he went through, in today's money, about four and a half million quid um, and he um, he had is alleged to have told the Beatles that he was going to develop things like a car paint which would change colour by flicking a switch. That'd be good. And wallpaper speakers, so you would put up some wallpaper and it would actually you could play your hi-fi through it. Do you as reckon it was that would be possible? Days. Do you reckon that's now technologically possible? Well, he did say that he was going to invent a phone which recognised your voice, unlocked itself when it recognised your voice and it could tell you who was calling, so which, there, of course, is technically there possible. Is, there is some However, kind of he also said that he was going to build a force field around <laughs> all of the Beatles' four homes, um, which would have proved useful, wouldn't it? In, you, you should know. have really concentrated on that. Um, he should have done, yeah. And paint that would make anything invisible. Anyway, I mentioned Magic Alex because he told one, his most basic thing. He said, "I can build you a studio that's better than Abbey Road in the Apple Building." Yeah. Seventy-two tracks, and at the time, the most you could do was forty-eight tracks. And um, and so they all trudged down. They were going to film "Let It Be" in this studio. Yeah. Uh, new studio, and they trudged down in January 1969 to see this 72-track studio, and he um, they discovered that um, he'd just got an old 16-track machine, he'd stuck 16 speakers on the walls, he hadn't soundproofed the room, <laughs> there was no intercom system between the room and the, um, and the, the sort of the, the, the studio and, and the live room. Um, there wasn't any wiring between the control room and the live, the live room. He was having to put that in. But what he had done was he'd created a, a, a crude wooden mixing desk and one of those, I think they're called an oscilloscope, which is one of those waveform yeah, machines yeah. that just you see the waves going up and down, which was sort of plugged in and doing waves but not really connected to anything. That is... It's Magic Alex has done has the ghost of Magic Alex because he's now dead came up with this final this plan. Agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something very. There's just one thing missing. That's it. We're working on that. Yeah. So I kind of think that the minister sort of trudged off. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. Because it really is down to that, isn't it? That is the yes. sticking point. And yes. for there was some some sort of kind words, and we got the readout of the you know of the meeting between Theresa May and. Varadka, how this this book earlier in the week, and then you get this stuff from Number Ten. Oh, it's all moving along nicely. The Prime Minister and Varadka spoke about the importance of not having a hard border, but there's no, no movement. There's no content. Is I there mean, there? they agree on one thing: we don't want a hard border. Mm. They don't agree on anything else. Yes, pretty much. So Jeremy Hunt it, on um, Thursday in um, in Paris has declared that there there will be a deal. It won't be in the next week, but it will be in the next. 
three weeks. So in the next four, in the next um, three weeks, we will get we will uh, we will get a deal. And I do think that it, it'll probably sources... just have a fudge, won't it? It'll just say we're continuing to discuss the Irish border. I imagine so, but I, I get the sources on this are all over the place because yesterday they were saying, oh, you know, there's going to be a special cabinet meeting called by the end of the week within five minutes. Same source was saying to me, oh, it's going to be next week. Jeremy Hunt's now saying, well, it's going to be three weeks away. I think no one really knows what's going on. I guess that's kind of understandable. The, the, this is We've never said that this is an easy process. In fact, we've mocked people for saying yes. it's an easy process. So we understand that things change and the talks are ongoing, etc., etc. Um, but within three weeks, sounds... I mean, we were talking about mid-November. That was pushed back to the end of November. Mm. Um, in three weeks' time, we will be... In almost in December, yep. so we're looking still at the end of November. I think there is going to be a fudge that gets us before Christmas, much like we had last year. Yes, that kicks the can down the road a little bit, gets us a bit closer. I've always said that I think there will be some kind of deal. The problem then is whether or not Theresa May can get it through Parliament. Yes, how likely is that? But can you can you bring a deal to? The, to the Commons when it doesn't have anything about Ireland in it apart oh, from a vague. They could try, but I can't imagine it would go down very it, well. It seems extraordinary to me. So, and it seems well, it, it seems that doing that, not having a, a, a proper agreement about Ireland, would greatly increase the chances of um, of a, a, a deal not the deal not being voted for. I think what is clear is that it's not going to meet. As it stands, it doesn't meet Labour's six tests. Yeah. So Labour are going to vote against this. Yes. They'll be whipped are to do so. Are they going to vote against, or are they going to abstain? I think they'll vote against it. Well, I think they'll have to, won't they? If they I mean, that's what they've been saying. That's what, Otherwise, that's what it would Sakia just, has been yeah. saying. I mean, but Sakia wins on that, and so does Mr Corbyn. Yes. Um, because he wants a general election. As does Keir, obviously, but I think Keir is probably a bit more pragmatic about the whole thing and about his future in the Labour Party and his uh, stance and, and um, you know where, where he stands within the spectrum of the Labour Party a little bit more to the to the right than than his boss um, but uh, we've then we, there will be some Labour leavers of course I think that people like well it depends doesn't it I mean Kate Howe hard Brexiteer mm. is she going to vote for it or is I mean, yeah. we don't know. We don't know. We've got people like Caroline Flint who probably possibly will, just because yeah. you know, not a hard Brexiteer, but is representing a constituency yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, it, it is difficult to tell. All I can tell you with any certainty about that vote is that it is going to be very, 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 very tight. Yes, um, it, it will. is going to be very tight. And then, of course, what happens if it doesn't go through? Chris May's got to go. Yes, we've got to start again. Haven't we? We've got to start all over again. Because Jeremy Hunt also said in Paris, talking in French, that it w- there will be no second referendum. Mm. Um, he, he was adamant about that. He said um, Parliament would ne- there's no prospect of a people's vote and Parliament would never vote for it. Um, I'm not that sure right? that that's true. I, think, um, I don't think there's no prospect of a people's vote. I know I spoke to someone earlier in the week um, who is a big um, supporter of, uh, of the people's vote who... You know, who's desperate that we have a second referendum, and we were talking about the prospects and whether it sort of feels since the march. I think that the, um, that the, the and with every passing day, of course, you would suggest the prospects maybe diminish because mm. time is running yeah. out. I'm not that sure. I think if I think if Parliament doesn't vote for this, the EU will give us more time. Now, I don't know if that's 
in some way they extend the Article 50 period yeah. or what happens, but I'm pretty sure the, the EU will be really flexible on that. Yeah. So there is time for a people's vote, but what it needs is a change in leadership at the Tory party. The danger then for Remainers is hmm. that we end up with Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg, hardline Brexiteers who actually are quite happy with a no deal who just go, you know, sod you, we don't need a deal, we'll go it alone. Yeah. Now, if we got someone like um, Justin Greening, who mm. has said, has stated openly that she's interested and and is, you know, I think has been a pretty impressive politician yes. the last couple of years, um, then maybe she would be minded to say we could go back to the people in a, in a, you know, in a different yeah. environment. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. political environment in this country has changed so quickly, um, so many times in the past um, two years that I really do think that it is, wanting to coin a phrase, it is all still to play for. It's all still on the table. It is. Um, but it does get more and more difficult while Theresa May is still a Prime Minister because I don't think she's ever going to say we should have a people's vote. That's not going to happen. No. Um, should we talk about Dominic Raab? Dominic Raab. Dominic Raab. As you like to call him. Um, yes. He's, he's made a speech as well, didn't he? He's a wally, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said... I hadn't quite understood the full extent of this, but if you look at the UK and look at how we trade in goods, we are particularly reliant on the Dover-Calais crossing. It seems to me that we've swapped one clown as Brexit Secretary for another clown, and they're actually quite similar people. They are all they think of themselves as a sort of rough-and-tumble hard man. Doesn't seem they're very good on detail. How can Dominic Raab, who, what is he, in his mid-40s or something, yeah. I would, how can he have got to this point in his life without not understanding the importance of the Dover-Calais uh, crossing for yes. UK trade. How can he... Pa- I, I think I was probably fully aware of that when I was age 10. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable. It, it must be said that Dominic Raab, you know, hasn't come to this as a... It shouldn't be a new thing. He, Dominic Raab was on the Vote Leave campaign committee, together with Gove, Boris, Hannan, Fox, IDS, Steve Baker, Leadsom... Patel, Lord Lawson, all the other idiots who brought us to this point. It is absolutely remarkable that um, that uh, Dominic Raab, the, the Brexit Secretary, is admitting that he didn't really understand how reliant we were on the Dover-Calais crossing. It really is extraordinary. And if you want a double whammy of clowns, then David Davis, also speaking on the Today programme, said, um, leaving without a deal would mean some... Hiccups in the first year. Some hiccups, is yeah. that what he said? Some hiccups in the first year. Um, all the rights and controls... Well, he did say the UK would have, however, all the rights and controls over our own destiny. Yeah. Seems to me a little bit like saying to those poor homeless people, you know, who, who've got themselves tangled up in, in, in things and, and are desperately on the street, that they are in charge of their own destiny because they could, if they want, walk to the park on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's, it is, absolutely, yeah. I mean, he also, we're talking about David Davis, who, to be fair, has, has spent the, much of the last two weeks, hasn't he, saying that Theresa May has got to release the government's legal advice on checkers. This is David Davis, who refused to, yeah. to, to, um, to, to release the government's advice on, on the damage that a hard Brexit would cause. Um, it is fairly unprecedented for governments to release legal guides. I'd love to see it. but Well, exactly. I, yeah, I just feel like too. this is something to... To beat the Prime Minister. Very, very much so. He also said on the Today programme, there's this idea that we're not pressing the EU enough, wasn't there? And he said, if you buy a house, you don't take the first price offered, you press for a lower price. If you buy the car the same, this is just like buying a house or a car, 
It's much more complicated, but we have to press. Now, the thing about buying a house and a car, as we've said many times yeah. on this podcast, is if you don't think you're getting a good deal for the house or a good deal for the car, and you think that, you know, you, you study it and you think the, 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 the house is in danger of falling down on top of you and the car has got no brakes, you pull out of doing it. And that's what we're saying, and that's why there, there should be a people's vote. Anyway. That um, is why there should be a people's vote. And talking of idiots... Yeah. Shall we talk about the the big man over the water? Oh God! All right, let's go, let's do Trump, Nick. Well, it's been a been a big week, of course. Now we're talking about Donald Trump, obviously, and the midterms and this extraordinary affront to the freedom of the press and to journalism, which has also occurred on the back of those midterms. The midterms themselves, just briefly, because they've been well covered. Um, it, it kind of felt like six to one after the at first, but I think actually it was a Trump defeat, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so, yeah. So is the world a safer place now? Well, look, Robert Mueller's, the results of his investigation, whatever they are, are going to come out, despite Donald Trump firing Jeff Sessions on, on Wednesday, yeah. the Attorney General. I mean, that is clear. replacing him with an anti-Mueller one. This makes me think more and more... That he's got, he really has got something to hide. Well, exactly. It looks, it looks terrible for him, doesn't it? Um, it does. So, so that investigation is going to go on, and the results of it are going to be known. And you know, all the noise is that there will be some fairly heavyweight subpoenaing quite soon um, of people that are close to Donald Trump. So that's going to happen. Uh, there are, you know, the, the the Democrats now control the finances, don't they? Yeah. Of the central government, you know, what it doesn't do is the, the the Republicans still control the Senate and increase their majority in the Senate, even though in all the Senate races far more people voted Democrat than they did Republican, by the way, but you know um, and they and the Republicans won some uh, won some fairly close um, uh, governorships. Gubernatorial, I believe, is the phrase, isn't it? Which I, like, wow. I always like saying every good. two years or so. Um, but yeah, he, he's he is massively weakened, and you could see the results of that as he rounded on Mr. Acosta. Yeah, so he's rattled, isn't he? Jim Acosta, very well respected CNN correspondent, was. Right down the front as well, which I yeah, thought was, was great. Right in Trump's face, wasn't yeah, it? Great. In, in the press conference. Now, I have to say, a previous white, ho- uh, white horse. White horse? Yeah, yeah. It's fancy going down a white horse. Yeah, lovely. Jerry's there. <laughs> previous White House press calls have, have often been so sycophantic towards presidents. Yes. So Obama and Clinton especially. You know, they... I, I remember watching one where they clapped at the end. Ooh. I mean, you please, that, guys, you know, yeah, yeah. we can't do that. This bunch is, has, has had to be because, of course, you know, what Trump is a little bit more aggressive, and CNN certainly have been have been so. Uh, Jim Acosta was was quizzing the quizzing Mr. Trump about the caravan of migrants. House Martin's best ever song. Yeah, it was number one. It was number one. And it was... Now, we argued about this. It was fully uh, a cappella, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But I'm sure there's a there's a bass line in there at some point. But doesn't he... Is, is it just him going, bomb, I think it's bomb, him, song, yeah. Bomb, bomb, yeah, bomb, yeah. bomb. Fat like Boy Slim that. doing that. Yeah, Fat Boy Slim. Or Stan Cullimore, he was in the House Martins, wasn't he? There's a bloke called Stan Cullimore in it. Oh, really? Stan Cullimore. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't in the House Martins. <laughs> so, Jim Acosta... Um, he's, he's right in Trump's face, he's having a go, and there is a woman with a microphone who's been told yes. to, um, you know, some kind of 
uh, I think I wouldn't like to, to say what her position was particularly, but she's a young woman. She's an in, she was an intern. She was an intern, right? Okay. So, so there's this intern who's looking after the microphone. It's her job to pass it to the next person who wants to ask a question. She's obviously getting eyes from someone to get the mic off Acosta because because Trump doesn't like his line of questioning on the caravan, which is uh, on, on its way. Um, I've. They're sending the military down to meet these people. You've seen the pictures of these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're think, desperate, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pushing buggies and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the they've come from Honduras largely, needed. haven't they? Yeah. Um, a anyway, great piece about it in this week's print edition of the New there European. There absolutely by the way. is. So check that out. Um, and he, she, she leans in to try and get the mic away from him, and he very, very faintly sort of moves her to one side to try and carry. Yes, his that's question. right. Yeah. She sits back down and doesn't grab the mic off him. Trump then um, says uh, it was absolutely. He says it was unacceptable. She was trying to do a job. He placed his hands on a young woman. <laughs> well, I mean, what on what planet is this man? This is a man who boasted openly about grabbing women by their. Yes, exactly. And now is basically was suggesting that he was manhandling this incident, which he absolutely did not. Are you not. suggesting that Donald Trump is a massive liar and a hypocrite? This seems remarkable to me. I, well, I, 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 I mean, that wasn't a shock from the moment he decided to stand, but it, I, it's just shocking that it carries on. It is, um, yeah. And we're going to have the most brutal two years in American politics now leading up yes. to... And do you know what makes it... Do you know what really saddens me about... The car crash that is American politics right now, because I love America, I love mm. American culture, I love the place. I think there is so many great things about America that the, the country should be proud of. The fact that I, I can't call which way that election is going to go. No, of course not. No, I think it's going to be really close. I think it will be very close. And it's shocking that after two years of complete mismanagement, complete embarrassment, yes. there are still millions upon millions of people in America who think Donald Trump is the best man for the job. Yeah. It is absolutely outrageous and but shocking. It's the it's the big the it is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. Do uh, you think he's gonna lose then in two years in two Well, years? I think that I think there are some good people coming up in there the are. Democrats. I agree there I, are. I don't I think there is a dearth of talent at the at the top. Yeah. And you know, Joe Biden would probably be the the front runner, wouldn't he? I guess but, so. but he's, you know, I feel like there's been a Joe bit Biden? of a vacuum. He's in his early seventies, isn't he? Yeah, I do feel like there's been a bit of a vacuum. Listen, I'm no complete expert on on American politics, but I, I do feel like there's been a bit of a vacuum since Hillary lost. Mm. I think they've they've done a bit of navel gazing, haven't they, for for eighteen months or yes. so? But they do seem to be getting their their shit together a little bit. Yes. Um, but but much like in this country where we've had one of the one of the most ineffectual prime ministers now for a good few years and and the, and the pol- and the opposition still aren't panning her all no. the time it feels a bit like that it doesn't does it? very much so so let's hope they can get their uh, their stuff together and and give him a panning in the next year or so on the on the trump outburst the outburst against Acosta when he was in the room he was saying you're a terrible person yeah. cnn should be ashamed of hiring yeah. you yeah. um all of this kind of stuff when I was I was in America a, a couple of weeks ago, you were? Um, and I had a lovely couple of weeks in, in New York and uh, in Manhattan and in Connecticut. And one night we uh, we went for dinner and we came back to the room and we were watching. We put TV on and the Dead Zone was on. Have you ever seen the Dead Zone? I'm aware of it. It's a David Cronenberg film. It was made in 1983. It's oh yes, of course I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the setup is Christopher Walken is in some kind of accident and when he comes round out of his coma. 
when he touches people, he can see what is going to happen in yeah, their future. Yeah. Wasn't um, that his first major film after the Natalie Wood incident? I think it might have been, yeah. Which Not be that I'm linking him to the Natalie Wood incident. No, no. So, and so what happens is that he, you know, various things happen. He saves some people, he exposes a, mur- a murderer, uh, lots of stuff happens. Towards the end, he shakes the hand of a politician at a rally, who's played by Martin Sheen, and he sees a vision of this politician in the future. He is the politician has become president of the United States, and he is having a screaming match with the, I guess the the the, the top ranking army officer, and he wants to nuke Russia. And yeah. he is the, the the army guy is saying, "I'm not putting my hand on the scanner, the football, or whatever." And he said, I'm going to cut your hand off if you don't do it. You're a coward and all of this. You cowardly bastard. He says, And he says to him, you're not the voice of the people. I am the voice of the people. The people speak through me, not you. And then um, he emerges having, you know, talked this bloke into it and emerges and says, the missiles are flying. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And as, when I watched Donald Trump flying into his rage against Jim Acosta um, on Wednesday night. That is what I thought of. I'm, you know, the, the guy is absolutely... It is chilling. Off his knot, and it, it is chilling, yeah. It really is chilling. It's, a fin- it's fingers crossed stuff. It really is. For us, for really us here is. on Airstrip 1, Yeah, it is fingers crossed stuff. But there's good news. Is there? This week, because there was a because of the poll. Should yeah. we talk about the poll? Yeah, that was good news. There was some. That was a nice little glimmer of hope. The look on Nigel Farage's little nicotine-stained man froggy face um, was a, a joy to behold. It was wasn't good. It? it was good. And, and the eye roll. And the the eye roll. I think it cause, from the so, lady Brexiteer. Yeah. She, well, Harriet Ellis uh, voted for Brexit. She um, was leapt upon by some remainers, I think, on social media because there's this great picture. If you haven't seen it, it's very easy to find. Um, it's all over the internet and. Uh, you know, log on to our website and you can see it of Nigel Farage speaking and in the audience behind the young lady um, Harriet um, is doing this superb eye rolling it's great, isn't it? which eye rolling is a great thing isn't it and it's one of those things that kids learn to be really <laughs> yeah. young yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I eat my broccoli mm. um, well she's doing a brilliant sort of cartoon eye roll I think it's better that she's a Brexiteer yeah, it is, saying, yeah, Oh, she's a Brexiteer. I think that's better. Yeah, it is better. Because yeah. it shows, as we've very much laid out in this week's New European, that it isn't just us guys now yeah. who are getting fed up with Nigel Farage. It is Leavers as well. Yes. So the result of the poll was... What was the result of the poll? The, well, there's lots of lots of different results. I think we should probably... Let's, let's the, dig into the it Channel 4 bit. poll was 54 to 46, wasn't that's it? That's right. So that was the, uh, for the overall for Remain. But there's some interesting ones when you dig a little bit deeper. Um, so Britain today favours a Remain choice on any second referendum by 43 to 37. I yes. Think we, there's some don't knows in there. Brexit is bad for the economy, 44% to 31%. Yes. I thought it would be good. Bad for the NHS, 36 versus 30. Um, bad for their own household finances, 38 versus 16%. Amazing. Who think that Brexit is going to be good for their households. Amazing. The worrying thing for me from the on, on that night was that only forty eight percent of the young 
people who were in that sample of 20,000 that Channel 4 used said they were likely to vote. They would definitely vote, rather, yeah. in the second referendum. That, that is worrying. 48%. That is worrying. I disagree. I've got to say, I disagree. I like Caroline Lucas, but when she said, I, I don't believe that, you know, you can't, for one thing, say an eight-point Remain lead is great and you believe it and then say you don't believe that only 48% of people you know, say the, they... You know, yeah. the, the uh, apathy of youth, um, and we, I think, I'm sure at times we've all been guilty of it in our younger yeah, days, of course, yeah. um, is a driving factor. It I, is. I mean, there is a great youth movement and, and Brexit has got lots of young people um, involved in politics, which is to be applauded. Yeah. Um, and I hope they you know, will continue to, to fight the good fight, whatever happens. Um, but but if we are going to get if there is a people's vote if yes. there is a second referendum then without those young people looking to save their own futures you know the the worry is that the same thing happens again yes um, so they really must get out there if they believe in it but I think with the right campaign I think we could we could get them out there and yeah, maybe yeah. make the pubs shut earlier the night before or something or yeah, I don't know have a have a, have a um, curfew on campus yeah could we tell them that. I don't know. Could we tell them that Taylor Swift was down at the polling station or something like that? Oh, or, I love Taylor Swift. Or Big Nasty. Is is he? Is that? I think it, I think they're beyond. Big, I like Big Nasty. Do you? Yeah. I yeah. think the aren't the kids into um, Skepta. Skepta. Yeah. But Skepta. Yeah. And now you see, I I liked Skepta at first. Yeah. And now I, you're skeptical. Well, I am because he went on X Factor, didn't he? Oh, did he? I don't it's know. like, I don't oh, you're X just Factor. ruining your credibility. Don't do that. I saw. I saw a few people uh, on the Channel 4 thing, a, a few leavers on the Channel 4 thing, I, don't, I think even Farage might have said this, and I've seen a few people since saying, well, you know, who cares about polls? The polls got it wrong last time. When people say this to you, the polls were all wrong last time, these are the facts about the polling um, in the run-up to the referendum in 2016. During the campaign, there were um, a great number, I think there were around 100 um, there were around 100 uh, polls published. Uh, 38, I'll, I'll take out all the draws, 38 for, showed a Remain um, lead, 33 showed a Leave lead. However, that is heavily skewed because in the week after the murder of Joe Cox, the awful murder of Joe Cox, there were 13 polls taken after the murder of Joe Cox, so the methodology done after then, and 10 of those 13 showed a Remain lead. So before that, it was heavily skewing to leave. Um, and in the week before, and it was skewing towards leave right at the end, um, because in the week before uh, Joe Cox was, was killed, um, there were 11 polls in that week, and nine of them showed big uh, leave leads, and some of them quite big leave leads. Yeah. So that, those are the facts. It, they didn't, you know, the polls were not wrong. Uh, the, the polls, apart from what happened in the final week of the campaign, were consistently and clearly, clearly showing that Leave was about to win. Yeah, yeah. So okay. don't just dismiss this, the findings of this now. Absolutely yeah. not. OK, uh, we'll be back in a second with Brexit of the Week. Uh, you are listening to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group, changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, Marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. Join today for just £3 per month at prog.rs forward slash join. That is prog, P-R-O-G dot R-S forward slash join, J-O-I-N. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. 
Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting podcast one, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to The New European. Steve. It's that magic time again. Brexiteer of the week. You've already told us how this is your favourite time of the week. I love it. Let's do it. Let's start with Darren Grimes. Do you remember Darren Grimes? Yeah, you, like, you love Darren Grimes, don't I you? I wouldn't go as far as to say love him. By the way, I, I was researching Darren Grimes the other day and uh, I, I, found, I found a tweet for him when he said, I see that I am one of Steve Anglesey's Brexiteers of the week again. Does he not realise that this is a badge of honour? <laughs> Among we leavers, so well. Chloe Wesley said the same, didn't she? If you're listening, you know, there you go. Anyway, Darren Grimes. So let's let's just loop back. The Aaron Banks stuff came out. You went old man then, didn't you? Let's loop back. Let's loop back. (laughs) Let's loop back, our kid. Um, And uh, the Aaron Banks stuff came out. Owen Jones on BBC Politics Live asked about this and the, the idea that, that Aaron Banks' money might have influenced the result of the referendum. And he said, the idea that people in Mansfield and Blackpool looked at Twitter at some bots with no followers and then went, I was going to vote Remain, I will vote Leave now, is ridiculous. And Darren Grimes agreed with him. He said, bloody hell, I agree with Owen Jones. It's time for a stiff drink. So what we're saying here is that Darren Grimes, who ran the much-praised Leave social media campaign Believe mm. and then he helped vote Leave funnel 650,000 to aggregate IQ in the last days of the campaign so Vote Leave could buy even more social media advertising doesn't believe that social media had any impact on the referendum result so well, it sounds completely leg- legitimate to me that. Next, he's not even a Brexiteer but I, at this point I really want to mention Geoffrey Archer who I, I watched on Sky News last week it's a great interview with Kay Burley one thing didn't come up in the interview and maybe I missed it but the whole sort of you know prison and fraud thing it was not I really to live near the prison he was anyway, in anyway did you yeah. did you wave anyway he said there should be no second referendum the British people aren't stupid and to which I say the British people have bought over 50 million books by Geoffrey Archer. So there you go. Um, can we talk about Jared Batten for a minute, the leader of UKIP? Please. He was due I to appear in, at Lois Stoft Fish Market's 7am yeah. auction. It, I don't know, Gerard, whoever is doing your bookings, you need to, you need to have a word. Uh, and he was due to appear there at 7am on Halloween. And imagine that, the room filled with cold-blooded, dead-eyed creatures. Clearly, you know, a comfort zone for Gerard Batten after he presiding over the UKIP conference in 2018. However, he had overslept and he did, turned up 12 minutes late. And it, the, the, it only takes 10 minutes, yeah. the fish auction. Yeah, yeah. And they fly he missed, off the shelves. So he missed the whole thing. <laughs> and it brings to mind the playground joke, what is the sleepiest fish in the world? It's a kipper, Absolutely. isn't it? And Can I just say... That there is a brilliant picture that Andrew Sinclair, who's the it's um, very funny. political correspondent for the BBC in the east of England, took and tweeted out, and it's it's in our print edition, so grab hold of Gerard Batten and, and basically being told off, yeah, yeah, by um, by a lady who's I think she's the representative of the a uh, woman in the, a hat. Well, she's the she's the like union rep for the fishermen of the yes. east of England, and she's giving him a right kicking. Oh, it's brilliant. It's very good. Uh, he's not had a good a, a good couple of weeks, Gerard Batten. He, he's um, he was in Lowestoft the other day, uh, the night before actually. He was making a speech and he talked a lot about Tommy Robinson. Uh, he said Tommy Robinson did four months in solitary confinement, which we actually know 
from the prison service that he did less than 48 hours in solitary confinement before they moved in. And it, was it, it wasn't quite solitary confinement. It was like a, it wasn't like they threw him in a dingy hall, was it? No, it he was, was in the he was in the it's sort like an of acclimatization. Exactly, thing, yeah, yeah, where all all new prisoners yeah, yeah. go, uh, and then they gave him a, a single cell, basically. Um, I would want so, a single cell if I was in prison. Yes, yes. You bargain you went to one of them. Uh, he also Jared Button also recently got on his old high horse. I mean, he's mounting a high horse with an enthusiasm not seen since Catherine the Great died, um, because he'd read on Twitter that the High Street Bakers Greggs were going to rebrand in a move towards a gender-neutral business model because they'd, they'd been criticised because their name was too male. And Gerard Batten said, who's criticising them? He said that, you know, a cheese roll is a cheese roll. When is this madness going to stop? And then somebody told him that he'd actually been reacting to a fake uh, Guardian, spoof Guardian uh, account. Mad. He also, there's also a great video of him on College Green and a protester says to him, uh, it's not going very well for you, is it? And he says, why don't you f*** off? And the man says to him, why are you being so nasty to me? And he says, the last time I saw you, you called me a gammon, which is a racist slur. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so that's Gerard Batten. Um, I've got to say, when Gerard Batten took over uh, at UKIP, um, they were like, because of Henry Bolton and, and his girlfriend and all that, UKIP were languishing. Oh, what great 4% in the, in the polls. And Gerard Batten... With all his inspired stuff, yeah, getting Tommy yeah, Robinson on yeah. side, old, you know, what's he called, Count Dankula and all yeah. these people, um, and Paul Joseph Watson, he's got them all, and he's turned it right around, because at the last, uh, in the last poll, um, they're up, right up to 4% again. <laughs> so, well done, Gerard. Why are they not dead? Yet? And if this continues, how long is it going to be before Farage comes back, takes over UKIP, and in the parlance of the godfather gerard button oversleeps with the fishes now <laughs> even crazier than a room full of kippers are the erg and members of the erg jacob reese mogg's european research group are all buying microwave ovens for their offices in westminster do you know why well um what do i use a microwave oven for oh those um heating those, up your ready meals those those burgers that are one pound Oh, yeah, yeah, Rustler's. <laughs> Rustler's. Rustler's yeah, burgers. So, yes, so Rustler's burgers, and uh, it's not for that. It's because they've been told that the Europeans might be spying on them and that even what? if your phone is off, right. people could still hack into your phone and overhear what you were saying in your, your office, right. but they can't hear if you put your mobile phone into a microwave and close the door. All right. So how long is it going to be before we see Jacob Rees-Mogg now in a full top hat made out of tin foil and also or a microwave well a, with a microwave, microwave over his own head yes. and can we tell them that it works can we can somebody please tell them that this works even better if you put your mobile phone in and then set it to cook on high for 5 minutes I tell you what also works get in the bath and throw a toaster in there <laughs> that'll solve the problem immediately that's a bit harsh. We're plugged in. It's but. a bit harsh, isn't it? But the Brexiteer of the week is Paul Dacre, the Mr. former Mr. Dacre. Yeah, lovely Mr. Dacre, former Daily Mail editor. Um, we uh, we refused to go to the Society of Editors conference uh, this year. Uh, Matt Kelly, the editor of, of this newspaper, and I, because we didn't want to listen to Paul Dacre ranting away bitterly and being given a lifetime achievement award by the Society of Editors. Um, he used this to, he had a right go at The Guardian and Alan Rusbridger, but he, famously, he, he, there's a big bit in it where he defended 
his uh, Enemies of the People front page, which, mm-hmm. of course, was calling the lords who dared to uh, call into question the legality of Article that, 50. That was the moment Dacre's editorship finished. Was, yeah, was I agree. Yeah. I agree. And he's de- defended it, and he said it's the title of an Ibsen play. Now, I know you are very keen on Ibsen, but I'm less keen on Ibsen. So I did some research on yeah. Enemy Enemy of the People is the name of the Ibsen play. Yeah. And it turns out to be a play about a bloke who insists on telling the truth and then he's hounded out of his home by a mob and yeah. he loses his job right. because of mob rule. That's right. Um, I wonder if that reminded you of anything. <laughs> and, 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 and so Paul Dacre trying to whip up a mob by citing something about a play about the dangers of mob rule. The play is also about this guy who is the victim of the mob. He really, he could have compromised, but he destroys his own life and the life of his family and loses his job and loses his home because he is unwilling to compromise and negotiate in any way, even with the people that are closest to him. I wonder if that reminds you of anything else too. Hmm. So Paul Dacre is the uh, Brexiteer of the week. That might be the last award he ever wins. I would say he's an enemy of the people, but he's not really an enemy of the people. I just disagree with him. He's he's lame now. Be quick. What should the listener do right now? Uh, You should give this review. uh, You should give this podcast a lovely review on your podcast. You should give this podcast a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, You should join the New Europeans Facebook uh, readers group. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey. S A N G L E S E Y. Or you can follow me at Porritz. P O R R I T. That was the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group, changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. Join now, £3 a month, at prog.rs forward slash join. That's P-R-O-G dot R-S forward slash join. J-O-I-N. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. As always, it's a smasher. There's lots of politics, there's lots of Brexit, but there's also lots of culture as well. We'll be back next week with Jerry. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 